LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders. That's what the EST means. Sometimes people ask us that they're like, what is it? It's like an acronym, EST. You know, it's just established. It's kind of like your Levi's are established in, I don't know. I don't know the year. I do know that Chewy's Mexican restaurant was established in 1982, which is also the year I was born. So those are two great things. On the show today, I have Matt Swoboda, which is another great thing. What's going on, Matt? What is up? And I also do know that you probably know the Chewy's thing because it originated in Austin. Austin, Texas. And so you got, Park. Texas, you got your Texas uh, flavor in there on that. Oh, it's so, so good. And when I saw the, the name of the podcast, I, I figured it out pretty quickly, but it did take me a second to EST. Yeah. Yeah. You would be amazed at, and yeah. I mean, we're, we're already, we're not changing it, right? Because that's what it is. But it, it, it sent some mixed signals. Some folks thought, oh, that means healthy churches. So if you're at a healthy church, this is a podcast for you. I'm not at a healthy church, so I, you know, and I'm like, nah, we're talking about stuff for you, yeah, yeah. like the non-healthy church. This yeah, is how for does you. EST mean health? I don't, know. I don't know, like established, like firmly established. Oh, like you're like on a firm foundation. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> because a rainer pastors your church. That's what they think, you know, because of Sam and Micah. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Mike and Sam are not on the show, so have my good friend they Matt. They stuck so. with me today. Yeah, and me, and me. I, right. I, I, I'm very curious. Y'all can tell us on Twitter, how many of you listen? And then when you find out it's just Josh, you like, you tune out, you like skip to the next episode. No, I would never do that, Josh. Uh, I know you wouldn't, but <laughs> some folks do. I don't, I guess some, I, maybe that's my own insecurities. No, that's all so, right, man. When, when, you know, I was an executive pastor mm-hmm. and so, but I was also like the number two preacher. And I mean, that's the same being the number two preacher. You know, you stand up on stage and you just know, I know you're all a little disappointed. Like, I'm going to preach anyways, but I totally understand <laughs> that everybody in this room is a little disappointed that I just I get that. I oh, get yeah. that. Every time. <laughs> Not just like the Walmart version of the clothes. I made a joke about it one mm-hmm. time and mm-hmm. the room busted out into laughter. Which was straight up confirmation. Uh, oh, yes. It yeah. was that awkward laugh like, oh, he got us. He got us. <laughs> It was awesome. That's hilarious. So funny. All right. So last week you were on the show and we talked. Great conversation. I hope some, if you haven't listened to it, that's episode 143. Uh, we talked about a resource that you have coming out with Church Ops, which is your group in which you, I would say you coach, lead, kind of help develop churches as they yeah. come together. Yep. Yeah. I was a executive pastor for eight years at, uh, uh, multi-site, you know, uh, large church in, in the Nashville area. And, uh, and then I stepped away and, you know, God really opened a door just for me to get to, you know, hopefully just encourage, come alongside like churches and pastors organizationally and, and mm-hmm. honestly help do the things that most guys in ministry did not learn how to do. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of it was 
It's like, I help you with all the things seminary doesn't even try to teach you. Wow. <laughs> and so I love just being an encourager and a support and, and partnering with, with pastors and churches in that way. Yeah. So helpful. And I will say as a, not only a friend of Matt's, but also um, we have used church ops here at Second Baptist Conway um, for, I don't know, 10 months? We've been, been for a ten? while. Not quite yeah. that long. Not quite Maybe that not long. that long, no. But yeah. But it's been a while. And uh, it's it's just great help. And it's not anything that's so specific to because Second Baptist is not the size of the bridge. And so it's not like this stuff doesn't apply to us because it's just it, – it really has n- very little to do with the size of your church and a mm-hmm. lot more to do with the functionality of yeah. your staff, your it's leaders, that sort of stuff. So super applicable, well worth a phone call and a conversation with Matt. I'm going to have to steal that language. I'm going to start using that. Hey, you're welcome. Good. You're welcome. That's what that's what you get from a number one preacher. That kind of that's stuff. That's right. right I know, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> What's y'all's website? What's Church Ops? Uh, it's churchopsgroup.com. All right. Awesome. Right after the Texas Longhorns. It's my favorite website. I think you should uh, check it <laughs> yes. out. Yes. One of these days, we're going to have to take a side break and hit college football before the season yes. starts. The next episode. Let's talk about <laughs> your other Twitter account, which I find so, so interesting. Yes. Yes. So, um, okay, so in your resource you've got here, it's called Nine Common Issues with Young or New Staff Members. So we're going to talk a lot in this episode, like the last episode, you know, if you've got a lay leader, a lay uh, volunteer, or a staff person that you're working with, these are some things that you might see in them and how to help them out of it. But don't tune us out if you're sort of at a single staff church or or something like that, because so much of this where I found helpful was myself looking in the mirror and going, man, I do that. There's a movie. I cannot think of the name of the movie. I know Jennifer Aniston is in it. There's a little boy. And uh, he asked about hypochondriac. And the guy explains to him, says, uh, hypochondriac means that you think you're sick all the time, da, 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 this kind of stuff. And the little boy goes, oh, my God, I got that. <laughs> and so that's, that's how I felt when I was reading these. I was like, oh, man, that's me. You're thinking, am I a young or new staff member? <laughs> well, I am kind of new yeah, here. Yeah. So. No, that's good. I, I love you said that. And and honestly, even if it's not just about self-leadership, which it does, like, you know, we always have to lead all these things, like, by example first. But it's really if you're leading anybody. You know, it can be a staff member or a volunteer. Absolutely. Or a son. I find so much yes. of the stuff I learned as a pastor yes. is like, I've got to be... I need to pastor my family too, which that's a whole nother topic. All right. Problem next, being reactive instead of proactive, being reactive instead of proactive. Give me, give me your story. When did you do this, Matt? When oh, were gosh. you reactive which, instead of proactive? You mean which time? Yeah. Um, give me, give me the most humiliating one. Okay. I will. It's the first time I was, I was overseeing our group's network, uh, it was our church was growing like crazy, and uh, you know I was recruiting. I was recruiting volunteers. It was really the first time I was trying to figure out like how do I onboard volunteers, hmm. especially with group leaders. But that's not just like a a greeter at the front door. There's a little more like obviously shepherding and care and discipleship in that role. And so there was, uh, you know, there's just a little more onboarding to be done. And I just remember, like, I started having these new leaders, and I remember kind of, uh, kind of like, well, I'm sure they've got it. 
and I, I mean, I think I was, I don't know, man, like 24, 25. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with 24, the younger, oh, baby. the better it sounds, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, but I really think it was like 24. And I think and it was I just like last thought, year. man, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll help them walk through stuff once stuff comes up. Mm. And next thing I knew, I started losing leaders. And in big issues weren't even coming up. It was it was literally like I was getting this feedback of, well, man, will you, will you kind of recruit me and like gave me this group and then like texted me every once in a while. But, that, you know, that was it. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, like that, that's that's what you sign, signed up for. That's the gig. <laughs> you know, like, that's the gig. You're welcome for that text. And then, so, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was me telling you I'm thinking about you. Isn't that yeah. enough? And then I realized, like, man, if investment and development has got to be a proactive thing, not me just reacting to issues and, and things coming up. And that was just mm-hmm. the first time I kind of learned that lesson the hard way, you know, young 20s and, and kind of lead my first team was, man, I'm really losing good volunteers uh, by by not having this proactive approach but I like a man i'll kind of sit back and wait and see what comes up and then i'll go after that and it mm. really i mean i lost a lot of good volunteers and good leaders and and to me it was like that was just a a classic young staff member mistake man that's so good i'll tell you uh what comes to mind for me is that in the sort of positional leadership sort of vacuum as i was earlier on in my pastorate Whenever there was a position that would come open, whether it's lay or when we were able to hire new staff, those sort of things, I was just hiring or finding the exact same situation. I was just reacting. So um, I don't know, like maybe there was a small group leader over here of this struggling class and the leader went away. I just found another one, put him right back in there. And um, we needed to hire a worship minister, a worship minister. Um, went on to another church. We went to go. I just hired another worship minister. And at some point it clicked where I started asking myself, when these positions are open, do we still need that function, that role? Where are we actually going? Uh, maybe we don't need a full-time worship minister. Maybe we can break that up and do a couple different things with that. Maybe that small group is losing leaders because it's positioned poorly or it's not the right demographic or those sort of things. And so maybe we mesh that group into this other group and then find another small group leader to launch this other group over here. You know, instead of just being reactive to a hole and filling it constantly, start being more proactive on the direction that we're going, you know? Yeah. So that was something yeah. that really in this oh, church, thankfully my second pastor, I'm looking at all of this stuff. When, when somebody, Hey, I got this great offer. I'm going this direction. Awesome. Love you. Pray. Here's cake. And then do we need that? Do you know, how can we tweak that best for what we're doing here at the church? So oh, dude, that's such a good example. That and really I, helps. Yeah. I think a main way we see this like in lead pastors too, is when it comes to hiring. Yeah. And you have that tendency of being reactive to like, what's not going well, or just where's there this big need rather than proactive thinking, no, no, what is our mission? And so like, have we built out a, stra- a proactive strategy to hire towards, you know, our vision and what we're yeah. going after? And you get stuck into it. Like, I think that's m- like majority of bad staffing decisions actually comes out of this problem. 
mm-hmm. this bit reactive, like, man, I'm, I'm hiring based on need and urgency and pressure rather than a proactive strategy. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, 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 I think you nailed that. You know, when you're looking in the mirror, you know, that kind of like, am I this way? One of the ways that I've seen myself get in a lot of trouble with this and others get in even more trouble than me is what I call is just like kind of thinking ahead. You won't have to be as you won't be in enough. Let me try to word this right way. You won't find yourself in as many reactive situations if you were proactive. So if you're leading through change or you're making a big announcement, that's where I really kind of like to think through this stuff is Mm -hmm. when I say this, how will I say it? And if I say it this way, how will people respond? So let me go ahead and build in um, logic or an emotional attachment or those sort of things so that when they get to this stage, they will be, uh, they'll receive it well. You know what I mean? So you're being very proactive in the way that you're communicating yeah. change instead of just waiting. And a lot of a lot of folks, man, they just say, hey, here's the direction we're going. Then they get the backlash. Then they go through yep. months of fighting it. And it's like, That's right. if you would have just thought through, you know, what's the old saying? It's not that you changed, it's how you changed. How you changed, yep. So that's probably yeah. Well, and what you said too, like that's where I think all of us, when we fall into this reactive thing, it doesn't. Come, it usually doesn't come from a. I'm just. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to choose <laughs> choose to be reactive. Mm-hmm. Where it typically comes out of is is we don't create the margin to think through how we can be proactive, like you just said, to like really change something in the right way. And we don't have, we don't put the energy and effort and time on the front end. And so it actually costs us three times more effort and energy and time on so the true. back end. Yeah. And then it's like that vicious cycle. Well, now we have even less time to be proactive because we're spending so much of our time being reactive over the things that we weren't proactive in the, in the first place. You know, I, yeah. and it's just that vicious cycle. Man, you hit it right there. The, you know, the other thing is we're not, we're not often Christ-like when we're in reactionary kind of stances. Mm-hmm. Man, that's when we get mm-hmm. defensive, when we yeah. get uh, – stop you know, listening. We stop listening. We get mean. We cut mm-hmm. at other people because we feel attacked, those sort of stuff, because we're in this reactive stance. And so empathetic. Yeah, oh, that's man. Real, man, that's really wise. To, yeah, to so you know, going into leadership, maybe you're going into like a business meeting, or you're talking to the small group about moving over to another room, or you're asking this small group to get rid of their tables. You know, the worst of all sins is to get rid of your tables. And so, if you're in that role at that point, then if you proactively walk through some steps, I know that there's a number of times that I've said, "We're going to do this right now." I do not believe it's going to work, but we will try it for. A month or two because I do know that later on when we get to this part that I I think that we're going to end up going to, then they're going to ask, well, why didn't you just try this? So I've gone through steps that I did not believe at the time would reap the result I wanted so that later on and, – and look, you got to be honest with yourself. If that first thing had worked, we would have stuck with it You know, because I'm not just trying things to be mean, but I got to think through all of the processes here so that I can later on say, yeah, we tried that. You know, I'm being proactive. We tried this. We tried this. We tried this. We asked these people. And so that's what's led me to this conclusion here. So being proactive on the front end will save you so much heartache and stress if you can just uh, kind of get to that point, which kind of brings up our spot for this show. 
I know that a number of people battle with training leaders or training volunteers. I know you've had to do that. You were talking just now about doing that with your small group leaders and those hosts and those sort of things. Well, that can take up a lot of our time and a lot of our energy. And that is why Lifeway has developed a resource called Ministry Grid. And on Ministry Grid, you can get training for your entire church just for $399. So I know that that sounds like maybe a lot of money, but picture hiring a person who's going to train all of your staff. It's a fantastic digital resource. It's available on mobile and on the web. Very convenient for your members. Just $399 for over 3,500 videos and 800 courses. If you want to check that out, just go to ministrygrid.com slash podcast ministrygrid.com slash podcast and you can train your entire church uh, for just 399 that's a whole year too i mean that's that's a lot of training for just 399 so let's talk about this how do we either when we're doing self-leadership or the leadership of um, some some volunteers or staff people how do we get them out of the reactive to the proactive what have you seen yeah so with me, a lot of it was, you know, making sure I'm building in. I mean, there's two things. There's one, there's just like the, the self-leadership execution side. And then there's also the emotional side. And so w- with me, it's like, I mean, I had to, I had to actually learn that, you know, honestly, what we talked about in that last episode of, well, when I actually have good time management, and I have the right like prioritization, it's a lot easier for me to, to build in margin to make sure I'm able to be proactive. But what I, what I would run into, and then what I run into a lot with young leaders, is there's that emotional piece mm. where it's almost just easier to wait and hope it goes well and then mm. to go after it than to real like, yeah, I think it's just this like it's the fear. There's an emotional fear of like, man, if what if, if I'm really pro- and I pour all this stuff into it and then it doesn't go well, go well. I honestly think there's a fear. There wasn't me as a young leader, a fear of failure. Mm-hmm. That thought, man, it's easier for me to own. Oh yeah, I could I should have done some of that on the front end. It's harder to own, man. I did everything I could possibly think of and this thing failed. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so one, it's that emotional piece of like, no man. Be proactive and go like, man, jump in the deep end. And if you fail, that's all right. We'll learn from it and then we'll do better next time. And so when like leading myself and others, I do have to make sure, man, uh, let me not lead out of fear and let me lead with just a confidence and a a courage of, man, I think this is, I think like the Lord put me here. He put me in this position. I'm going to do what I I need to do and I'm going to put my best foot forward. And um, if it goes great, awesome. Praise God. If it doesn't, man, I'll learn from it. I'll ask the hard questions. I'll own it. But so I think sometimes there's that emotional piece that keeps us held back and keeps young leaders held back from really being proactive. Mm. Um, so one, I would just say, like, man, honestly, check check your your heart when it comes to what keeps me from really pouring everything I have to it on the front end. I think there's like some self-protection there that actually happens with young leaders. That's true. And so as a, someone leading young leaders, I mean, I, I would think about that. It's not, And most of the time, it's not like your young leaders are dumb and they don't know how to be proactive. You know, they don't know like what to do on the front end. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes there is some training and coaching, but I think a lot of time there's there's like some self protection going on that you have to speak to and and make sure they feel a deep freedom to fail, and they're like that will be okay, and we'll learn from it together. Um, so one, I think like getting rid of that fear in them enables them to start thinking proactively. Um, yeah. And then, and then uh, what I found is a lot of times when you don't, when you just don't have really clear boundaries, like through the job description and through like helping young leaders know what their priorities are, they kind of feel like there's so much to do. I don't know where my next step should be. Mm. And so I think when you set really clear boundaries for people on this is exactly the job description. Here are your priorities. Then you can empower like your young leaders, like because they need to know where are they free to run, and then be encouraged to run like crazy. Um, and so I think they have to have that freedom where cl- really clear boundaries helps helps that happen. Yeah, it, I can't imagine how freeing it might be to somebody if you told them, "Look, stop, stop trying to protect your future self. That's my job. Like I will protect you. I will." I've got your back on this. Let's try something. Think through it. Do your very best. And I'll always I'll always defend you on that. And so you don't have to worry about that part. You just worry about thinking ahead. Yeah. I had a, I had a professor good. one time. Yeah. Now, he would talk about theology this way, but I think I've used it in a, a bunch of different – he'd say ride that horse to the end of the pasture. And that – whenever you ask a question sometimes, you, you just ask, well, Dr. Bryant, what about this? And he would just kind of smile and say – well, ride that horse to the end of the pasture. And what he meant was, if you agree to that, what happens next? And then what happens next? And what do you necessarily have to think next? So when I'm planning usually a presentation that will involve change, I always think to myself, when I say this, what's going to happen next? How are they going to react? And if they do this, then what will I do? And so I start thinking through all of those steps. Now, I will say it's kind of like playing chess, but I will also say this. I don't try to think 10 steps ahead because so many things change. So many, I'm just thinking two or three, just two or three steps ahead, being well-equipped to be able to answer questions. And especially if you are a young leader of an established church, nothing inspires confidence or respect in your leadership more than being well-prepared when you give a presentation. When people ask you questions and you can immediately give an answer or you say, hold on just a second, and you pull up a file or you pull out a a paper and say, that's right here. Yeah, I looked at that or I spoke to them and here's what they said. It's just those sort of things make people believe you know what you're doing and you do. It's just a matter of, you know, portraying that sort of confidence. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that is like, I think when people have that, that they don't have to fear failure, like it's Mm -hmm. okay to make mistakes. it really frees them to for that like to be proactive and and just think about it as a leader you would so everybody would so much rather have a culture where like all these young leaders are like they have grit they're taking initiative they're making things happen they're doing things uh and you just have to guide them a little bit rather than have a bunch of young leaders that you're kind of like pushing just trying to get them to moving and doing something yeah and but that only happens when you have that freedom to fail uh, which means, like, man, as a leader, you have to respond well when the mistakes do happen. 
Mm. But if a winner mistake does happen, you get angry or you make them feel dumb for not knowing better. Like they'll shut down and they'll they'll you will you will ruin the opportunity to get them to be a proactive leader. Wow. There's so much goodness in that. I tell you that earlier on when I was being reactive, not not in my lead pastorate, but as a student minister, I felt like so much of it was reactive. Whether or not a parent got upset about this little detail being left out of the parent teacher discussion, you know, and there was so much of it that I was just constantly running through being the next person who's upset, how to respond to the next person who's upset. And so something in that kind of got me to the point where it's like, I'm tired of constantly reacting and I need to think better ahead so that I give them the things. And uh, I remember one time it wasn't even, she was, she was a secretary at her church who had no involvement in the student ministry. And I remember kind of complaining to her and saying, but I told him at the meeting and she says, yeah, but what does it hurt to go ahead and send another postcard? If you just, if you just over communicate instead of they keep getting upset because you're not communicating the way they're just over communicate. And I remember kind of just being humbled in that moment going, she's right. I'm just not doing this because I wanted to prove a point. And she was trying to teach me to be proactive, just Mm -hmm. go out ahead of the complaints and, and, and do over and above. And that was such a great lesson to me when she just said, just send another postcard and then nobody can complain. And if they do, you can just point at the postcard and say, yeah, I tried. So that was very, very helpful um, in those situations for me. No, that's awesome. Yeah, another thing I found that just helped a lot of helping lead, like young leaders be proactive is setting clear goals for them. Hmm. Because then they know this is exactly what I'm supposed to chase. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm running after. This is how I know if am I doing well or am I not doing well. But when they don't have that, like if they only have bullet points on a job description, it's like, yeah, here's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. That gives them, that helps with those boundaries, but it doesn't give them the thing that they're chasing. It doesn't give them the thing they're supposed to be running forward towards. And yeah. so I, I just found like really clear goals for every leader. Um, that, I think that, because that, that naturally kills passivity. Because you've got yeah. something in front of you. That's like something right. chase. Yeah. Like you can if you're placing like good strategic aggressive goals, no one will ever passively hit those. Right. And so you don't it, do this it, by it, accident. That's right. It forces you out of passivity. Um and you know, you know, so many young leaders, that's like that's just what they fall into. Is because they've never they've never really led. They've never um had to be like been pushed towards a goal. Hmm. You know. I always say do everything on purpose. Like do everything you're doing on purpose. Oh, I like, love that. Don't waste any time. Just, I had somebody. Uh, I was leading a church through some change, some bylaw changes, and uh, we. Isn't we, the we, exciting we, stuff right there? You know what? I'm just that nerdy every, that every, I every, love that kind of. <laughs> every, everybody goes into into seminary and ministry thinking, I just can't wait for them. Bylaw I just can't changes. wait for that. Yeah, systematic changes. That's what I want to <laughs> do. Um, but I remember it was funny. We were in this small church, and we made we voted. And so the thing passed and I said, okay, now that that has passed, here's our next step and here's what I suggest. And it was just so obvious. I had set that whole thing up. And so this guy in sort of an accusative way says, you did that on purpose, like in front of the whole group. You did that on purpose. And I said, excuse me. And he said, you did that. You told us to do this and led us through this. We voted for that. 
so that you could now do this step. And I said, well, not exactly. I mean, I did that and y'all did vote. So this is the next step. And he says, yeah, you did that on purpose. And I said, I do everything on purpose. I don't, I'm not, none of my password is by accident. I'm not doing, I'm just not like fumbling through all of this. And then I looked at the rest of the audience and I said, that's what you want me to do, right? You want me to do this stuff on purpose. And, you know, it's like your story. Everybody started laughing like, well, yeah, I guess we want you to actually do this stuff on purpose. And that just inspired a lot of confidence yeah, in the group but, because yeah, I bet you built a ton of trust that day. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, and I remember even thinking it at the time and it wasn't like I was in there prepared to get in a fight or something like that. It was like a, a light bulb clicked in my head as well. It's like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Do things on purpose. That's of course what we do. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, that's not manipulative. That's leadership. That's, no, that's just, right. <laughs> That's right. That's just kind of the way it goes. But, and that's like when the people complain about that, you know, you know, well, everybody wants to be led. Uh, they mm -hmm. only complain when you start leading them in a direction that they weren't hoping for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how do you, when you're setting goals, either for yourself mm -hmm. or for those you're supervising, how do you make them people-oriented goals? I know a lot of church leaders, established church leaders, have all of these goals but they really don't factor in the reality that if the people won't go with you, you you didn't really accomplish the goal. You know, if you can you can change the name and the branding and all that kind of stuff, but if it doesn't speak to the community and doesn't inspire the congregation, then you didn't really do anything. You just you made a pretty image. So, how do you kind of implement people into those clear goals that are going to help mm. them be more proactive? That's really good because there are different kinds of goals. Like there are some goals where it's like, I actually don't want to roll this out for the whole church, but our leadership team and our staff need to know it. But then when it comes to goals like for, so if I'm the executive pastor and I'm leading the student pastor and I'm trying to help him set clear goals. Well, one thing I'm having him do is have a conversation with his leaders saying, hey guys, let, like just be open and honest with me. What are some things you're really hoping to hear or to see in our ministry over the next year. And you're and he's just taking notes. Man, mm -hmm. he, oh man, baptism seems like it's really important for our, our leaders. Like we're so we need to do more things for uh reaching, you know, unchurched students or mm -hmm. or man, they feel a little overwhelmed, to be honest with you, because there's there's not enough um there's not enough leaders for all these students. And so you realize, okay, good. A good goal is going to be recruit and develop some new leaders for this. And so you just get the conversation going on multiple levels. And so that way, when you're ready to roll it out, everybody feels like, man, I've had a voice into this. Like I'm, I'm a part of it. And so you don't even have to get, you don't have to work that hard for buy-in because they were part of the process. Mm. And, and you have to be careful with that. Like you don't want too many people to be part of the process. Sure. Um, um, but you don't want it to be too limited either, or, or nobody will believe in what's going on. Like if you just come and say, "Hey guys, this is what we're gonna do. We're going to, um, we're gonna start this whole new student ministry event, and all you leaders, like it's gonna require, we're gonna add uh, Thursday nights." And I'm mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> we're not. You're adding that. Thursday yeah. night. I'm not. <laughs> I hope you have fun with that. And there, the, the, the Thursday night night thing might be a genius idea. It might actually like do wonderful things for the ministry sure. but those leaders aren't bought in because they weren't even a part of the process they didn't even have a voice and now you're just dictating for them to do another thing rather than it, it feeling like no no we're chasing a mission together 
Yeah. And so, yeah, like knowing and asking that question, who should I involve and, and how many, you know, how many and how should I involve some of my leaders in this decision making process to even set their goals in the first place? Man, that's so good. So you talk about that issue and a bunch of other issues, seven other actual issues in your new resource nine. Uh, what do we got? I keep flipping this page over. Nine common issues with young or new staff members. How can they get that? Where do they go to get this resource? Yes, you can get it at churchopsgroup.com slash equipping young staff. And here's what's great about this. I try to write this in a way mm-hmm. where like, it lays out the problem, the solution, and the steps to solving the problem. Yeah. And what's great about it is – like for pastors, I wrote this for I wrote it with the the like the executive pastor or just one of the or lead pastor uh, in mind who are just leading staff members. Um, but this can apply for volunteers, but really who's leading staff members? And I tried to write it in a way where you could put it in front of your staff member. Hey, I want us to read this together, and then I want us to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And part of that can be man, really encouraging conversation. Man, you crushed these three things. Yeah. Man, here are three areas. Like, what areas do you feel like you need to grow in? Oh, okay, great. You identified those three, and obviously the leader's thinking, "Yep, glad he, you know, glad he identified those." <laughs> but it, it can be used as a tool to actually equip and walk alongside those younger leaders um, to, you know, to help them get to the, the next level of their leadership. Absolutely, what a cool resource. So, how can people connect with you more on Twitter or wherever you want to be connected with? Uh, you can go to Matt underscore Swoboda, S-V-O-B-O-D-A. That's, That's Swoboda with a V, obviously. That's right. S-V-O-B-O-D-A. It's very intuitive. Uh, if you go to churchhousegroup.com, uh, I, I just use my own Twitter account for that, so you'll see the Twitter link there as well. Cool. Um, yeah, so that is yeah. the place. Thanks so much, Matt. Appreciate you being on the show Thank today. You, That's all the time we have for today. Make sure that you rate, review, and uh, share us on iTunes or Spotify. Spotify's my favorite recent podcaster app to listen to. So check us out on Spotify and uh, let your Twitter followers know about the show. We appreciate it. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network.